Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. I'm Matt Love. I'm here with Pastor J.D. Greer. And uh, today, I think Pastor J.D. has a question that we're going to ask him that I I think a lot of us have probably experienced in some way or another. The question is, why are there sins that you can't seem to shake no matter how much you pray? And I I guess the subtext of this is, you know, maybe you've been struggling with something for a long time. You're asking God to help you uh, defeat the sin, to help you get over it. But it just continues to be a struggle. It continues to be a struggle and you have such a hard time getting out of it, maybe it feels like God isn't answering that prayer. So, Pastor J.D., help us with this. Why are there sins that you can't seem to shake even when you're praying a lot for those things? Yeah, Matt, I appreciate the um, the honesty, um, the transparency of that question. And let me just say from the beginning that that's something that all of us, uh, regardless of what level of spiritual maturity you're at, brand new Christian, seasoned Christian, um, if you're honest, you're going to have that question. In fact, it's one of those things that, that if one person begins to admit it, you know, honestly, it's sometimes in your small group type of setting, you'll find a lot of people will, will tell you that's been their experience as well. Now, for some people, this is actually, let me also acknowledge this just as we begin. For some people, this is actually, I mean, it's more in the addiction category. And a lot of what I'm going to say today, you would need additional resources to actually talk about addiction. And I'll get that at the very end. But I think even when you're dealing with addiction, some of the, the core things I'm going to say here uh, would still apply. You know, um, the Bible presents, and much I might say to my chagrin, um, that for our entire lives, we are going to be locked in a struggle where the spirit that has been renewed in Christ and the flesh, which is still under to use Paul's language, the law of sin, are going to make war against each other. That's what Romans 7 says. I mean, Romans 7 is clear. Paul is talking in the present tense as an apostle. He's not describing his past life. And he says, you know, um, I'm convinced that is in me, in my flesh, there's nothing that's good. And what I want to do, I don't do. And what I, I know I shouldn't do, that's what I desire to do. He's just very honest that he is still, as an apostle, having you know written a significant part of the Bible, having been caught up to the third heaven, having you know met Jesus face to face, he still is struggling with sin. And I, I, the, my assumption is he did that to the day that he, he died until he saw Jesus. Uh, so what would I say? A couple, three things, and this is not like a full theological answer, but probably more appropriate to ask me anything. First, you just never, ever give up on this fight. The The worst possible thing to do is just to say, I'm never going to be able to overcome. And so I give up. One of the, I have a new book coming out called Essential Christianity. Um, 10 simple words that, that reveal the heart of the, the, the heart of the gospel. And it's basically going through the book of Romans. And, um, I call my, you know, kind of analysis of chapter seven in the book of Romans, I just call it struggle because the Christian life is a struggle. And I say that you borrowing some words from Tim Keller, that the Christian life is essentially feeling like you're in a battle that you can never win. When in reality, you're in a battle that you can never lose. And the key Paul says to transitioning from the battle that you feel like you can't win to the battle you can't lose is what he says to reckon yourself dead unto sin. Reckon is a very important word in Romans. That means to count one thing as if it's another. The first time Paul uses it, it means to, you know, God reckons us, even though we're sinful, he reckons us to be righteous. Paul says, now it's your turn to do the reckoning. When you reckon that you've been made alive in Christ and you reckon that you have died to sin, that actually infuses the power of new life into you. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's taking the power of the resurrection. And when you re-believe the gospel, that actually becomes the way that the power of the resurrection begins to surge in you. 
Um, it's why we say the gospel is not just the entry right into Christianity. The gospel is the experience of Christianity. It's not the diving board, it's the pool. Um, and what Paul is telling you is you've got to keep believing that even though you feel like you're really sinful, even though you feel like you're struggling, in reality, I am reckoning that I'm dead to sin because Christ has put that to death and he's made me alive in Christ. And when you believe that, when you believe that anew and afresh, um, that gives power into you. And that's the Christian life. And so I just would say, don't um, don't ever give up the struggle because it's intended for you to be a life of struggle, which leads me to the second thing. Um, you know, one of the, the, the greatest insights that I personally have, um, somebody's brought me to about this, uh, came from reading some old Puritans who talk a lot about struggling against sin. And they, they, one of the things they pointed out is that um, a lot of times God lets us struggle with sin to keep us from the ultimate sin, which is pride, and to grow us in our our appreciation for what the experience of grace is. It's like, you know, Jesus said, those who are forgiven much love much. And you would forget how much you're forgiven of if you forgot how sinful you were. So this side of the resurrection, God lets you struggle with sin so that your awareness of just how desperately you need grace, um, that awareness grows. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis talked about this. Uh, in fact, I, I quoted him a second ago. He just said, God lets us struggle with lesser sins to keep us from the greatest one, pride. Um, I, mean, I don't know about y'all, but if I walked around victorious over all my temptations, my sinful heart would very quickly conclude that, I, you know, I'm just really good at this Christianity thing. There ain't never been a Christian like me, which would then fill me with pride, which ironically would make me more sinful and more like Satan than ever. Um, so I know that God lets me struggle with certain things, um, you know, sins of lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, so that I'll just say with Paul, old wretched man that I am, Romans 7, who will deliver me from this body of death? I'm convinced that in me and J.D. Greer's body, in his flesh, nothing good dwells. The only way to, for Jesus to save me was not to, you know, enhance my flesh or, or, you know, kind of reshape it or reform it. It was to crucify my flesh. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet it's not really me who lives anymore. It's it's Jesus living through me. And um, Or to use Jesus' words, apart from him, I really can do nothing spiritually of any significance. In my library, I've got this book of letters by John Newton, the writer of the famous hymn, Amazing Grace. And uh, one of my favorites is a letter that he wrote in his 80s to a friend, uh, another pastor friend who was much younger, where he confessed to this pastor friend that he said, you know, by this point in my life, in my 80s, I, I always assumed that I would, you know, after walking with God for 50 or 60 years, that I would have gotten complete victory over my temptations. He said that a number of these temptations, however, in his 80s felt stronger than ever. And he said at first it made him depressed. It actually made me depressed too, reading it. But he said, I just wondered if, if something was fundamentally wrong with me spiritually. Was I not really even saved? But in this letter, he told his friend that, that now, you know, in his 80s, he realized that God let him struggle with some of these sinful temptations and probably would until the day he died to keep him from the worst sin, which, again, pride. Um, in fact, he says, and I, I'll, I'll paraphrase this, but he says, true growth and grace, this side of the resurrection, doesn't mean getting to a place where you no longer feel like you need God's grace. It means growing in your awareness of just how desperate for it that you actually are. Um, so I, I think God lets us struggle here so that you will stay closely tethered to his grace. That, that doesn't mean we stop praying for or pressing in for victory. It just means that God can be up to something good even when he delays the power and allows us to struggle. Um, I, honestly, when I look at this you know, slate of mega pastors who have fallen in ministry and I realize that their success got them to a place where, where they were really dangerous because they lost their dependence on God. The problem with ministry 
is that you can get good at it. The problem with the Christian life is if you get good at it, you will lose your dependence on God. So in in, in a strange kind of way, I, I even say, thank God for those places that I struggle and I fail because those are the places I learned to, to lean on God. You know, John Stott, uh, uh, who wrote Basic Christianity, he said, pride is your greatest enemy. Humility is your greatest friend. Just realize that this struggle might be growing you in your awareness of your need of grace, which will drive you to be more in love with Jesus. Those who are forgiven much love much. Finally, the last thing I'll say is I think a lot of times many of us are just not prepared for this fight. Sometimes we think that God's just supposed to zap us with heaven. And we've heard stories of the alcoholic who comes to Christ and never desires another drink. And th- those things happen. God cures people of addictions or sinful habits. He cures them all at once. But for the majority of us in the normal way is he uses, let's just call it more normal means of grace to make us overcome our sin. And I've just found that on the whole, as a pastor, people are, it's almost like they're using, trying to use a water gun to put out a house fire. Um, a water gun could put out a match maybe, but when you've got something like your flesh, I, you just, your, your quiet time and going to church once a week, um, that's just not going to do it. Um, if you read some of these Puritans, they were serious about these spiritual disciplines. And they're like, you got to get better at using this weaponry. Um, you know, you fasting, that's a great example of how you're training your flesh to deny your, um, your impulses and to feed and to live, to require the, the satisfaction of your bodily urges in order to be happy. And you're training your soul that you can be happier in God, even when you're hungry than you can be when your, your body's full and you're separated from God. Um, radical accountability. Uh, I, I know a guy here in our church who had a porn, um, addiction and just no matter how much he prayed. No matter how much he you know, fasted, he, he just couldn't break it. So he developed some radical accountability that's almost similar to what Alcoholics Anonymous would do. He had a, you know, he moved in with a guy and they just, you know, they, 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 they lived together. And that, uh, that other guy was, I mean, he would, you know, check in on his computer. And um, so whether it's something that radical or it's something like covenant eyes, you, you might need to take advantage of those, of those um, body of Christ dimensions that, were intended to help us root out sin. I mean, the writer of Hebrews tells us, don't try to do this alone. That's why God gives you the body of Christ. It could be memorization of specific scriptures. Um, and and by, by the way, part of that is a little um, discipline I learned from John Mark Comer called counter-talking. That's an ancient um, spiritual discipline where you try to identify the lie that's being told in your temptation, and then you memorize a specific scripture just like Jesus had in the when he was tempted. Um, you know, for me, I've got one. Let's just use the lust of the flesh. I, I know that when I'm tempted by the lust of the flesh, one of the lies that I believe, and I actually have this written down on a, a card I try to pray through once a week, one of those lies is um, that um, that really the good life, the, the, the enjoyable life is a life that is filled with, you know, satisfaction of lust. And one of the lies Satan tells me is because I'm committed to my wife, I'll never experience that, that other more exciting part of life. And one of the things I quote is what Paul says in one of his letters, to be spiritually minded, that's life and that's peace, to be filled with the spirit. So I, I, I'm actually taking that live Satan and I'm applying a direct scripture. And there are times I will quote that multiple times in the day to fight against those, those thoughts. Because I know that it's not just, it's not just my flesh, it's also... It's also the enemy, um, you know, that is is supercharging. I love to again quote John Mark Comer. He says, you know, the, the the definition of a spiritual attack, a mental attack, and that's where Satan usually attacks us. It's a it's a it's a thought with a will behind it, a thought that is pushing its way in, and he's he's capitalizing on the lust of your flesh. And you gotta you gotta fight that with 
with some radical spiritual weapons. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is you got to get really serious about this and sort of the Sunday school ankle deep, you know, milk toast kind of way of approaching the Christian life is just never going to enable you to overcome the lust of the flesh. Um, John Owen, who wrote a um, famous Puritan classic, which you should you read if you never have. Um, it's called On the Mortification of Sin. He, he His line was, you got to be killing sin, not shunning it, not, you know, trying to avoid it, but killing it or it will be killing you. At every point, he says that you're not actively killing sin, it's killing you. Um, you know, if you're look, interested in some some kind of further reading on this, because I would say one 10-minute podcast is make it just started on this, but you, you probably need to press in more deeply. I already mentioned the letters of John Newton. I could not commend those strongly enough. On the Mortification of Sin, I mentioned that by John Owen. Those are Puritan books. I mean, they, you know, you, you got to work a little bit to get through them, but they're they're worth the effort. More a more recent book is is Jerry Bridges, um, uh, The Pursuit of Holiness. Now that one's 20, 25 years old, but it's it's still a classic. And he's got another one called The Discipline of Godliness. They're they're about these things. Um, a, a good friend of mine, Vance Pittman, loves the book because we love him. If you hear him preach anything related to sin, he's going to recommend that book. Uh, so uh, it's by a guy named Cranford. Um, another more recent book is is called Habits of Grace by David Mathis. I found that was really good for taking some of these spiritual disciplines and learning how to really apply them. Um, you know, if you are a, a listener and you you do have whether it's uh, whether it's a, a sexual addiction or a, a drug addiction, alcohol or some other kind of thing, you think I you know I feel like I'm I'm in I'm in deeper water here than I. I even know how to express our counseling pastor here is named Brad Hambrick. And he's just, he's got a lot of resources that he will can give, you know, that he, that he makes you aware of. Just go to his website, bradhambrick.com. And you'll, you'll, you'll see links to, to different resources that might be helpful for your particular struggle. We're so glad you could be with us today. For more resources from Pastor J.D., please be sure to check out jdgreer.com. And while you're there, sign up for our email newsletters. It is the absolute best way to stay up to date with Pastor J.D.'s latest blog posts, podcasts, all kinds of other stuff. And we'll also make sure that you never miss a new resource or series. It's quick and easy to sign up. Go to jdgreer.com and sign up today. And we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything.